The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. A new study shows that only one in eight Christians speak to God on a regular basis. I know. Or speak of God on a regular basis. Do you? I'm one of those that don't. I think you do. A regular basis is kind of subjective. Well, the, uh, for me, regular, regular basis is more like, uh, do I talk to him like, hey, God, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, I, I want to say I'm the seventh. I'm, the, I'm, I'm one of the seventh that doesn't talk to God. Because you, you bring up a lot of things about faith. I do. To me. I do, but I don't talk like, hey, listen, me have a conversation. Um, I think they mean more of God, like talk about. Oh, oh if it's that, then yes, I'm, I'm the one of eight. I do regularly, even you off do. the air. Yeah, you do. That you seems do. a little low, but maybe not. Um, I'm curious about the demographics of it. Jonathan Merritt um, is the author of Learning to Speak God from Scratch, Why Sacred Words Are Vanishing and How We Can Revive Them. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? I am doing well. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. So only one in eight will talk about their faith? Yeah, basically, uh, I conducted this national survey asking Americans how often they have religious or spiritual conversations. And uh, only 7% of Americans in general say that they have spiritual or religious conversations on a regular basis, which is about once a week. It's not actually that frequently. Wow. When I looked at practicing Christians, so like, you know, like the holy people, the faithful people, right. the people who show up week after week after week, that was only one in 13, only one in 13 <laughs> practicing Christians, people who show up at church every single week say, yes, I have a spiritual or religious conversation at least once a week. I would think that would come up naturally if you're a Christian, it, it, more than that, right? I mean, if you're going well, to church even on a regular basis. You would think so, but of course you don't live at church, right? You live yeah. at, you live in a neighborhood with people who think differently than you. You go to a, a workplace where you maybe you're afraid to talk about these things because mm. you're afraid of the kind of kickback you get, even if you're in your own home. Uh, you know, if you've ever been at Thanksgiving dinner where you're shaking a turkey leg at Uncle Philip and having an argument about religion, <laughs> you know that these things can create tension and arguments even in the home. And so a lot of people avoid them, even with the closest people to them, their families. You know what? I think most of it is prob- that That's probably some of it, but I don't think that's most of it. I think most of it is we're embarrassed by our faith. Hmm. Well, there is a there 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 are a number of things that I asked people after I said, okay, here are the group of people who don't speak God regularly, and so there's a whole bunch of data in this book. But uh, there are a number of things that people say. One, they say these things tend to create tension or arguments. That's about a quarter uh, of people say that. There are a number of people who say. I don't like the way that religious words have been used in popular culture or in politics. Mm. And so if they, it kind of becomes toxic because you hear people who you don't like use it in ways that you don't feel comfortable with. And then you say, you know what, if that's what these words have come to mean, then I'm just not going to use them at all. I think I think all that makes sense. I think there's a lot of people, though, that when you're having conversations, if you start mentioning your faith... You know, people have preconceived notions of what that means. You know, if they're not the most uh, religious themselves and you're like, you know, whatever it is you bust out in reference to, you know, it's like they're going, oh, geez. Right. (laughs) 
that's that's mm-hmm. the reaction you're going to get. I'll bet I feel that way at times. Well, and there and there are also a lot of folks. I mean, I know I moved five years ago. This book was born out of an experience when I moved from the Bible Belt to New York City. And there suddenly, when I would use words, spiritual words, words I'd taken for granted since childhood, I'd use them with somebody standing on the platform of a subway stop or uh, even hanging out at my house for a dinner party, and I would get a totally different reaction, sometimes an emotional <laughs> reaction. They would shrink back from things that I thought were harmless ideas, commonplace ideas, and I'd felt that way for all of my life. And then I realized that as America... And, and New York's sort of the leading edge of this. As America becomes more pluralistic, postmodern, post-Christian, there are words that some people are, to, to borrow a phrase that a lot of people use these days, are kind of triggering. And then you have to respond. You have to decide how you'll respond to that. Will I keep using these words, even though people don't like them or they don't respond well to them? And a lot of people say, "Yeah, no, I just don't need the stress of it." Do you do you recall any specifics when you had one of those? Uh, those times that happened with a coworker or somebody on the subway platform. And I don't want to put you on the spot. I know sometimes it's hard to remember those, but do you have one in particular? Cause I'm curious what type of phrase or idea or words and what that situation was. Cause that has to be interesting. Probably one of the most familiar to me uh, or the most memorable was when I, uh, I had gone, I'd been only been here a few weeks and I'd gone to a barber shop uh, to get a haircut and uh, the barber asked me what I did for a living. And I said, I was a religion writer. And he said, oh, my gosh, a religion writer. Yeah, what do you uh? – he said, well, you know, I have a lot of baggage. I, I grew up in the country that raised by kind of fundamentalist Southern Baptist kind of parents. <laughs> you know, do you know anything about that? They love that hell and judgment stuff. And I'm just kind of like starting to sweat. You know, I was raised Southern Baptist as well. In fact, my dad was president of the Southern Baptist denomination when I was growing up, which I wasn't about to tell him. And he said, what do you think about all that hell and sin and judgment stuff? And I was like, well, that's a, that's a good question. And then I just sort of asked him whether he was a Yankees or a Mets fan. So I've had a lot of those types of conversations that I was realizing there was this pattern that conversations flowed smoothly so long as they stuck to benign topics like you know, how loud the jackhammer across the street had gotten. Right. But the moment they turned spiritual, they would start to stall out, or, either because I lacked confidence or because uh, they didn't even understand what I was talking about. Well, and we there are certain things you can say that are religious-esque, you know. I mean, there are certain phrases and terms you can you can use. Like, you know, in a lot of areas, it's still acceptable to say Merry Christmas, even, you know, because that's become very secular or some other ideas. Maybe even some... Uh, I, I don't even know if this would be one, but, you know, judge not lest you be judged or don't judge me. You know, stuff like that would probably be pretty tame for people. But if you get specific, yeah, it's out. My uh, one of my sisters brought her husband to meet my grandparents in West Virginia and her fiance at the time. And uh, he starts uh, launching into a joke because, you know, he sit around and tell jokes. And my uh, my uh, family on my dad's side, very religious and the joke setup was telling about this guy, well, you know, a real Bible thumper, you know. That was the phrase he used. And I was like, eek! <laughs> Uh-oh, this is going bad. Warning, warning. I'm giving him the no look. No, no. And finally, I just excused myself. I'm not going to be here to watch this bloodbath. So, I mean, yeah, people, they don't know how to communicate with each other, especially when religion is involved. 
Well, and and the the difficult thing now is what do all of these Americans, 70%, 70.6% claim to be Christian, what do they want to do about it? Uh, it's, ma- it's in massive decline, sacred speech, in the Western-speaking world. Uh, religious and moral words have been in decline over the last 50 years, and now most of us, the vast majority of us, don't feel confident having spiritual conversations. And so really, I, re- I really wrote this book not just to awaken people to the, to the data and just how bad it is, but also to sort of uh, shake people awake and ask them, what do they want to do about it? Do you want to revive sacred speech and spiritual conversations in your lifetime? Is that the type of America you want to live in or not? Well, and when you think of, if you're talking the Bible in particular, there's so much of it that, although, of course, it is divine, that is just practical uses for life. I mean, the book of Ecclesiastes, there's specifics in it that um, are rules to live by, just good ways to, to navigate life and with as little trouble as possible or to be in the right place. There's a lot of practical in it. Yeah. In fact, when you look at, this is something fascinating, when you look at the data, so for example, if you take Google Ingram data, Google, I feel like everything in life these days is like, the six degrees of Google, but yeah. Google figured it out. They've, they've compiled all of the books and the speeches and the magazines and the web pages uh, in existence in the Eastern spe- in, the, in the English speaking world, going back to the, about 1500. And you can search these, so you can actually search the frequency and usage of words. And what we find is is that yes, religious words have been declining uh, precipitously by up to 50 percent over the last half century. But what you're bringing up is an interesting point. It's not just words like atonement or salvation, you know, big theological words. It's also those other commonplace words that you find throughout the Bible. Compassion words are in massive decline. Kindness words are in massive decline. Uh, Words like patience and joy and grace. All of these words are in decline. And so when we look around and we say, gosh, we're becoming a less courageous, compassionate, kind joyful, patient culture, in part, it's a rhetorical problem that we've stopped talking about these things, and therefore we stop thinking about these things, and then our lives are built around these realities. So it's not just kind of like that, the super religious theological things, it's even those commonplace moral and ethical words and conversations that are in the You know, there's your gateway into this conversation because those words, although well represented in the Bible, um, are also secular words. So for people mm-hmm. that are, I mean, listen, if, you, if you're not um, a practicing Christian, if you didn't go up, grow up in a strong Christian-based uh, home, if people bring up Jesus, it may start making you uncomfortable. I mean, they just, people don't know how to react. Look at it, you know, from the other perspective. They're like, I don't know. He's bringing up this Jesus thing. Is he some freak? You know, I mean, right? They get triggered. But if you start, Jonathan, with that, we're not using words like compassion and love and things like this as much. Um, people are going to be more curious. Why is that? Why? And I think that's our, our gateway into discussing some of these things. Yeah, I think this is, and that's why this is important for every single person listening. Uh, you know, there's an emerging body of research now that shows this connection between the words we use and our, our societies. So, for example, in Eng- the English-speaking world, we're a futured language. We use future tense. But there are a lot of Asian countries that don't. 
And when you compare our societies, you find, by and large, we will smoke less than they do. We will save more for retirement per capita than they do. We will practice safe sex more often per capita than they do. Uh, even our, our notions of self, our preparation for, for the future and for death uh, are different by and large. And so when we, don't, when we talk about the future, we think about the future and we build our lives around ideas of the future. So you may not, you may say, I don't even believe in God. I don't believe in, you know, I believe in the spaghetti monster. I believe in nothing. That doesn't matter. If you believe in these things like courage and compassion and love and gentleness and faithfulness to friends, uh, all of those things are in decline. Communal language is in decline. Individualistic language is on the, uh, is on the rise. So they affect us broadly. It's, it's not just the de-spiritualization of language. It's actually the demoralization of language that we're seeing. The book is Learning to Speak God from Scratch, the author Jonathan Merritt. Jonathan, where can people find out more about the book and you? Well, they can buy it, uh, as they say, wherever books are sold. You can find cool. Learning to Speak God from Scratch at, you know, Amazon. And you can find me uh, on social media or my website, jonathanmerritt.com. And what we'll do is we'll post links to it as well. All right, buddy, thanks so much. We appreciate it and have a great day, okay? Hey, it's Doc Thompson. If you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. The podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Knowledge is power. Tweet at us with the hashtag what I learned today. This is the Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson on the Blaze Radio Network.